Are we not the bestest of friends already? Only in media. to a pre-Stanley Cup final edition of Stargazing. There are X stars in the final, but not a whole lot of current stars unless they happen to go to a game instead of going golfing. This is Mark Zimmerman. I have with me today Taylor Baird, the big cheese at defending Big D. Um, welcome, Taylor. Hey, how's it going tonight? It's going pretty good. So are you all fired up for the final? No, yeah, I'm going to be honest. I haven't really watched a lot of the conference finals. They they weren't just as intriguing to me as the first two rounds. I mean, Colorado took care of business pretty quickly, and the Rangers put up some sort of fight. But in the end, the, the Lightning did what we all thought they were going to do. So, I don't know. I mean, I guess, like, yes, sort of. Yeah, I don't know. What like, about you? Co- Are you excited yeah. about it? <laughs> Colorado kind of ended before it got interesting. And then, you know, the, the Eastern Conference was uh, New York tried to make it interesting. And then Tampa just kind of put their foot down and, and put an end to it. So at this point, I think it's just a matter of, uh, of trying to uh, figure out whether I root for Andrew Cogliano or Corey Perry. And that seems to me to be a no brainer. Cogliano, obviously. Oh, yeah. Cogs for dogs. Plus, we. Uh, we do have a little uh, Val Nachushkin interest there. Uh, that doesn't open too many uh, fresh wounds. And, and, and I guess uh, the Avs have been known to be a rival. But, uh, yeah, could be interesting hockey. And uh, and certainly Colorado can put an end to any kind of dynasty talk that there is about Tampa. So I was actually talking about this with a colleague today. Like, part of me really, really, really wants to see Colorado win just for the sheer fact of, you know, like you said, it, you don't want to see one team just completely dominate. But at the same time, I mean, a three-peat in the salary cap era would be pretty impressive, as many asterisks as others would like to maybe put next to that run. So, I don't know. I, I'm I'm torn. I think, for me, I'm just... Like I want to see a six or seven game series with two got with two teams that I think are kind of you know titans in their conference. So let's see how let's see who comes out on top. Yeah, exactly. And and here you know it's going to be tough to to top the the sheer joy that was Edmonton and and Colorado. That, that was some intriguing hockey. Uh, it may not have been perfect hockey, but it was interesting to watch. That's for sure. And so at least uh, at least let's. Uh, have a good representation of the game. And I think both these teams can do that. Yeah. And, you know, to the Val Nutrition thing, like, I've seen a lot of discourse about that again. And, like, I always go back to, yes, Nutrition failed in Dallas. Yes, Dallas didn't do what they were supposed to do with him. Blah, blah, blah. Um, But I think, you know, one of the things that people kind of lose sight of when they're talking about, players who left and then you know proceeded to find their their way somewhere else is there is literally no evidence to show that he would have found that in Dallas under this system under these coaches like you know sometimes the change of scenery is exactly what a guy needs to just completely reset so whatever I just yeah. Uh, yeah Dallas could use a player like Nachushkin sure um so could uh, 31 other teams in the league 
cool. Yeah, yeah, and, 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 who, and, and who other than Colorado could have created a, a player like Natushkin? Probably a couple others, but it certainly wasn't going to happen in Dallas given the uh, given the way that the team started looking at him and, and also the effort that he was putting in to make that work. And so fine. Yeah, it's, it, I, I always liked him as an individual, and I was rooting for him to succeed, and, and I'm going to continue to do that. Right, and I don't think there's anything wrong with that. Hey, whatever gets people to have some kind of emotional connection when your team is out of the playoffs, I'm here for it. But, you know, for me personally, just stop with the discourse of, oh, Dallas could have had this. We don't know that. There's no evidence to prove that. There's literally no parallel universe that we could peek into to say yes they absolutely could have had that production or that whatever from him in a Dallas uniform so I'm gonna get off my nutrition soapbox now yeah no I I think you're exactly right and it kind of leads into the the other major topic of discussion here right now which is a a coaching change and uh, we we've just uh, seen news today that Cassidy's going to, to to Vegas so that's one person off the board. But you know, we're very likely to see something uh, that we haven't seen in Dallas for a while, and that is a brand-new view of how this team needs to play hockey. Um, what, what, what do you see going on on the coaching front? You know, it's really funny because I think about a week ago there were reports that Dallas was moments away from uh, hiring, oh gosh. Uh, uh, Pete, Pete DeBoer. Yeah, Pete DeBoer. Thank you. I was like, the name, the name is yeah. me. Um, yeah. So like they, you know, and, and nothing has happened from that sense. And, you know, I just, I know two things when it comes to Jim Nill. One, if a move is going to be made, you're probably not going to hear about it before it's actually done. And two, I don't think that his vetting of coaches would be that short if it were truly his decision, like, I don't think, I think given the few coaches he's had, you know, like, all right, let's unpack for a second, truly what Jim Nill has actually done in Dallas, right? He hired Lindy Ruff. That was his guy. Ruff left. He was basically told from everything we've heard in, in the local media and whatever, that Hitchcock was ownership's choice and so he kind of lived lived with that so I don't really count that one against him and then he hired Jim Montgomery which was outside of the box it was new and different it was a coach from college and you know giving a guy a shot and not a retread whatever and then he had some personal issues and whatever the reason behind letting him go hap whatever happened happened and nil immediately made the decision to let him go and then you're not gonna look good to your fan base if the guy who steers you to a stanley cup final appearance is not brought on board as the coach next season so like i i don't really know i'm like i sitting here going oh yeah he's gonna be on his fifth coach but i'm like it's really kind of only on a third in my mind because I feel like there were outside factors at play in at least two of those that I don't really count against him, though. No. Right, exactly. And, and you know, you, you have Lindy Ruff straight out, out of the box. And so, you know, that that's maybe the first big decision that goes in. And that's a, an established name. 
who who yeah I, I would argue it probably matched the personnel that the team had at the time in the direction that the league was going and and if nothing else maybe put Dallas a little ahead of uh, of where the league was going um and and then really the only other thoughtful hire there that he was in charge of is Jim Montgomery and and I would argue that that kind of leads you to think that maybe Jim Neal isn't afraid to go outside the box because that that was a, a you know that was a name that came in from nowhere um it's not just a your 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 old hockey guy coming in to coach Dallas he had some unique ideas about what he wanted to do and uh, and, and was given kind of the the leash to go out and do it yeah, so that's why whenever I hear about, oh, you know, Dallas is interviewing this guy or Dallas definitely talked to this or Dallas is go- going to hire this person, until it is actually done, I kind of believe that some of that might just be agents leaking things. Like, I wonder if, you know, the agent of Pete DeBoer is basically like, hey, da- you know, he's got a deal on the table. He's about to go to Dallas and trying to pressure another team because there are so many teams who made coaching changes this offseason. There are so many different destinations in varying levels of competition or, you know, what you consider close to a contender or not. And there's a lot of teams that need to make these decisions. And a lot of them want to do it before the draft because obviously your coaching style, you know, your coaching staff's style and how they want to play the game and, and, and all that you kind of want to be considered when you're looking at draft picks and the type of player you, you want to draft um, with your draft picks. So, yeah, I'm, I'm very curious to see how it all ends up. Well, I but just, you, take, you take a look at how, how Dallas has drafted. And, and then, you know, there, there's a lot of smaller skilled forwards that we brought in in the last couple of years. And so you you almost have to think that Jim Nill is going to try and bring in a coach that can shepherd that new talent into in, into something that's going to be somewhat different than the team that's currently there. Because you know if if you try and if you try and uh, you know ram down a defense first, uh, here here's the way you're going to play and chip it up the boards and and, and kind of dump and chase. Yeah, yeah, we kind of put uh, Rope Hints and Jason Robertson into that box, but I don't know that you can claim that they're going to be at their best if you do that. And you certainly aren't going to get the best of Maverick Bork or or or, or Logan Stankoven or or any of these newer guys coming in playing that kind of hockey. They're they're small, speedy, skilled wingers. Yeah, but at the same time, like you can't overlook where the current roster, as it is constructed, stands like for those future guys because some of those guys may be years away from being in. And who knows what Dallas is actually looking for? Are you looking for, you know, a coach for five years or are you looking for a coach for the next two or three years and you're trying to, you know, get to that point where then you are going to transition because you're, you're naturally going to have that attrition and, and promotion of guys like you just mentioned up at that point in time. Like, I do wonder how much of that plays into it. You do have a younger core. Honestly, I think what I want to see Dallas do is be able to have a coach and a system that takes advantage of the 
prime years of your new core. I don't want to see what I don't want to see happen is what happened to Jamie Ben prime Jamie Ben, where they yeah. couldn't put a team around him to get him there in his prime because Jamie Ben in his prime was he was a beast of a player and had they had a Jason Robertson or a Joe Pavelski even at that time or you know like literally goaltending of any sort <laughs> um under under Lindy Ruff then then maybe like you know we're looking at Jamie Ben you know on the back tail end of his career in a different way because he's won a cup because he's you know won a MVP award or whatever right I don't want to see that happen Right, and, and you're, what you're going to end up is is a coach who knows how to integrate a handful of core veterans into into a younger core that's really going to be the focus of the team because Ben in the appropriate role is is still going to give you a solid 12, 13 minutes uh, as long as you manage him that way. I guess the jury's still a little bit out on Sagan as far as how much his his, his injury and, and comeback from that injury kept him back this last year but there's at least the potential that that Sagan comes back as a, uh, putting putting up 30 goals I, I think is not out of the question so there are some pieces there from the old core that could be useful moving forward and if nothing else what you have developed is a defensive attention to detail that a lot of teams are missing that I, I think is going to stay with this team no matter what from hell or high water they will be sound defensively but I I don't necessarily view that as a bad thing I mean there there's just from from a from a very tactical level you know the, the attention where you're going to where, where you're going to wrap up somebody's stick this is just something that you know if a coach is a coach is forcing you to pay attention to it it gets ingrained in your mind and that's what you do and, and that has very little to do with the style of play that, uh, you know, whether, whether you're trying to create rush opportunities or anything like that, what, what it has to do with is that it's been drilled into you that this is important. And so you just do it. And, and if you haven't had that drilled into you, you're going to get a little lazy on, uh, on the defensive end, and then you're going to give up chances. And we've seen a lot of teams that have not played lockdown defense here in the Stanley Cup playoffs so far. And because of that, they're giving up a humongous number of goals. But those games were kind of fun, though. God, I'm not oh, they, lie. they were a blast. Like, as a casual <laughs> observer, like, if you like good hockey, maybe you're sitting there going, that, that 8, 6, 9, 7, whatever type score is not great for you. But as a casual observer, and I think, you know, that's something that Dallas needs to be cognizant of. You need the casual observer in Dallas. And so you really do need something that's going to grab them. Yes, playoffs do that. Yes, Stanley Cup finals runs do that. But those only last for so long. Those are temporary um, if you're playing a style of game that you're going to struggle to watch 82 games out of the year. Yeah, no, I, I this has been my argument for years here with the defensive style is that I, I don't understand why you would try and create a a, a style with the team that takes, in essence, the joy out of the game in in what is, in essence, a, a a not not necessarily a new market, but a market that isn't doesn't have hockey as its primary focus. So, what you want to do is create something where 
you know, the, the NHL version of Showtime where, where the casual fan can come in and just have a blast. And that's what's going to sell tickets in Dallas, not, not lock it down and grind it out. That takes a certain bit of, uh, of nuanced, uh, dedicated hockey fan to really get enjoyment out of that. Even a lot of dedicated hockey fans don't find that enjoyable these days. I mean, there's oh, no, a it- lot of a team like Colorado or Tampa who does it, who does that defensive responsibility but doesn't sacrifice the offensive side to get it and I think that's where Dallas needs to be going to and that's why I just think that the coaching search is probably a lot longer and a lot broader than people are even going to realize it is yeah I I agree the the one the one I I think it's going to get done this month just because I think you want to have the coach you want to have your coaching staff in place at the point you go into free agency, because you, you have some major decisions that need to be made. Um, you know, if you aren't going to re-sign John Klingberg, what are you going to do? What are you going to do to your puck moving defense? Is is Thomas Harley really going to be the guy that's going to going to move you forward? Um, and, and how do you fill up the right side out of uh, out of what are pretty slim pickings in a free agency market for right-handed defenders? Uh, that position's not very, very good in the system either. Yeah, I mean, it, it's to the point. I think I think Saad had something in the Athletic uh, a while back, uh, a week or so ago, where he was even pulling uh, Bartow out of, uh, out of out of a hat as, as somebody that that is still of interest uh, at at the big club. And I'm looking at that and saying, you know, Bartow's played played 25 percent of his games down in Idaho, and and you're talking about him as a right as a right-handed D guy who who has a shot at getting any kind of look in, in, with the big club this year, That that's kind of telling you how weak we are on the right side. Yeah, so I do anticipate that that will be something that, you know, they, they look to look at their depth and assess. And so to that point, and kind of as a transition into this next portion of the of the evening's entertainment um, is looking at the fact that Dallas is starting to get some business done, which is kind of nice to see. Um, and is, you know, a lot of contracts that are kind of ex- expected contracts, I would say. Uh, you've got Frederick Carlstrom, who signed a contract extension. You've got Nicholas Camano, who signed a contract extension. Who else am I forgetting, Mark? They're really cool. Uh, they, they, they picked up, uh, they picked, uh, up another UFA year of, of Alex Petrovic. But but I you know that that's kind of a right-handed D who's going to mentor people down at at Cedar Park and, and maybe get a little little call up if you need somebody on the right side. But you know he he's going to be he's going to be your your Yanni Hockenpah without the ability to move the puck. And and but like you know when we talk about depth in the organization, like it is as important to the Dallas Stars to have you know a winning culture and a team that plays the same way as the big club down in the AHL. So when that, you know, that means that you're going to sign guys that are going to be, you know, only there for AHL only contracts. And that's fine. It's all part of the business that they need to get done to really truly sit down and say, okay, where does our depth stand? What do we need to fill in free agency? What have we not been able to get done? What trades should we be looking at and whose calls should we be taking or what organization should we be targeting for trades to help us fill those holes in? Um, you know, I forgot to mention uh, they also 
signed Gurionov to a one-year right. contract yep. extension. Came in at his qualifying amount um, as a restricted free agent. I think that's probably an appropriate amount for him, given the kind of hmm, I don't want to say decline because I feel like that's a that's a kind of negative connotation uh, when you talk about a player's performance. But you know, he had a down year last year. I think a lot of people did under under uh, bonus last year. So you know, I. I think it's a good contract for both sides. It's a show me contract. Show us what you can do under a new guy, under a new system, and um, doesn't commit overly much in terms of annual value to the right to the young winger. So, I, I mean, yeah. just just basic Dallas Stars stuff. Right? I mean, the, the things that, that 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 we are mentioning are, you know, the, the we 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 have to do a deal with Jason Robertson. We have to do a deal with Jake Ottinger. These are the these are the real big club wide things that need to be decided on because that's where you're going to be making a choice on whether you do a bridge deal, which 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 allows you to save some cap, or whether you do just a long term deal to lock them up. Um, but that's going to cost you a bunch of money. So those are the kind of decisions that are extremely important to this organization, and are going to dictate to you a bit what else they're going to they're going to be able to do because if they're if they're truly if they're truly going to sign full contracts with 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 Hottinger and Robertson they aren't going to have a whole lot of flexibility yeah but I do think it's important to note and I'm sure we'll have to reiterate this again and again as people ask us why hasn't Robertson gotten done um you know he's a restricted free agent he his deal doesn't have to be done before the team hits free agency and honestly a lot of NHL teams do it where RFA deals don't get done until after that time frame. So if you don't see Robertson sign until mid-July or end of July, it's not the end of the world. Like It's not like he's not going to re-sign. His rights belong to Dallas, and they're going to get him under contract. Um, but maybe when they have a little bit better of a handle of what they can fit into this year and and you know what they can go back and – negotiate with with Robertson's agent same thing with Ottinger so you know these things are all interconnected so um, you know some people take the approach that hey I need to know exactly how much we have committed because we need to get Ottinger and and Robertson locked down others are going to say you know hey I want to see what improvements we can make to the team and maybe I can sell the agent and the player on a one-year or two-year contract that's more of a bridge that does give them a pay increase that they deserve, but pushes the big payday off for a couple of years to allow us to contend this year. And so there's a lot of factors that go into that. And honestly, if I'm an agent, if I'm a player, I'm looking at the fact that the cap isn't going up for the next couple of seasons, uh, but will go up in 2024, I think they said. And I'm probably sitting there going, yeah, give me a, give me a, a bridge deal I'm betting on myself because that means I'm going to get more and you're going to have yeah. to eat up more of my unrestricted years um, on the next contract so that should play into my favor well especially um, somebody especially you have somebody like Robertson where even if he signs a full eight-year deal at this point he's just going to be 30 uh you know right right at the point when that deal ends so he he potentially may want to go somewhere long term just because it drops him into a place where he could have two sweet contracts. Right. 
So there's a lot that goes into it. So it'll be it'll be interesting to see how it all plays out. Um, you know, I do think that these deals, as they continue to get to get done, allows us to look more at the depth. I do think it also gives them some ideas of what they need to be looking for in terms of the draft. I I like the I, I like the recent trend of going with speedy, high hockey IQ. You know, has a mo- isn't necessarily like a finished product, um, but isn't like big or you know like mean size. I like that they're going with just sheer overall skill, and I think that's good. Uh, I do wonder like if we see a little bit more of a course correction towards the more two-way type guys this coming draft, because maybe they feel like they don't have those guys in, in this system as you look further down the line, five, 10 years from now, whatever. Yeah. I mean, it, it could be one, one of the things I think that the stars do better than most is, is, is pulling people out of the, out of the college ranks and getting somebody who's, you know, 23, 24, 25, who who can establish themselves in some place other than going through the standard CHL process. And and we've had a couple signings there. Um, though I, I'd, I'd butcher the name if I could remember what it was. The the, the guy that we picked up from Europe uh, within the last couple weeks, 23, 24, uh, skilled, skilled forward. But you get a chance to take a look at what they have and you can bring somebody in, somebody in who already has some developed talent to fill some of those uh, two-way roles. I, you know, there, there were actually two of them. I think we picked up Olofsson as well from Sweden. And, and you know, both guys coming from uh, the worlds and what we were able to see there. Yeah. And, you know, to me, like, those are things that are easy to find. I feel like every team has guys that end up becoming that. You know, maybe they aren't drafted to be that, uh, but they end up developing that way. And so... I hope that they continue with the with the skill set and looking at sheer skill and not necessarily size or not necessarily handedness or not necessarily um, even position because I do think um, you know I've been reading a lot this off season about this this idea that hockey is starting to look more and more like positionless hockey in terms of like forwards. Um, yep. You know, you don't have guys who are truly locked into just playing center, just playing wing um, on a particular side anymore, that there has to be a lot more flexibility, whether it's because of um, injuries, suspensions, COVID these days or whatever, you know, you, you need to be able to play all sides of the ice and in all three positions. And so I, I think that if you continue to go for guys that are, high skill, high hockey IQ, it's easier for them to pick up all those different, those different sides of playing the forward position. And so it makes it easier to plug and play them, so to speak, later down the line. So, um, you know, I hope that that's how Dallas continues to grow their, their little uh, pipeline. Yeah, well, exactly. And, and, you know, we do have some, some two-way people who are, who are right on the verge of coming through. I mean, certainly, I, I think the little action that we saw at the end of the year with Ty Delandria, at least in my mind, showed me that he's he's pretty much ready for an NHL role. Um, and, and then Eric, to us, Oscar Back is probably also pretty close. Um, we have one more year to figure out whether we're going to do anything with Rhett Gardner. 
there there are some people in the pipeline. So I'm I'm kind of hoping that as we get to the draft, we we get back to the point where we're uh, where we're taking best player available and regardless of, of position. And I think that that kind of falls into the position of hockey that, that that you're talking about. Yeah. Well, the great thing is is that hopefully next week for all of you guys listening. We're actually going to have a really great episode talking exactly about what Dallas's pipeline looks like, who they might be targeting with that first round pick, uh, who, what positions of need there might be um, with our old friend Derek. So really excited, really pumped for that. So we hope you guys tune in um, and listen in on that because he knows way more than I do. I try my best to keep sight of things, but realistically, I'm just... I, I only have so many hours. <laughs> so, yeah, well, um, exactly. And, and I know, I know Derek, Derek watches everything, but, but he still has a little bit of a little bit of a, of a soft spot for Dallas in his heart. So, uh, so he, he should be up on, uh, he should be up on what's going on in the prospect system and is really looking forward to coming on. Yeah. So I'm really hoping at the end of the day, you know, next week we'll get through some draft coverage for you guys. And then hopefully um, after that, we'll be able to talk about our new coach and what we could expect and and then look at who Dallas might target in free agency and stuff. So it's an exciting offseason. I'm looking forward to continuing to dig in on these various topics. And, uh, you know, Mark, thank you so much for just kind of uh, shooting the breeze with me tonight. Yeah. And in the meantime, we have a we have a game coming up tomorrow night. Let's uh, enjoy the Stanley Cup final. Tune in. Watch it. Dream about maybe um, ways in which the Dallas Stars could uh, take the best of the Colorado Avalanche or the Tampa Bay Lightning and apply it to their to their uh, team and and uh, dream of lifting the cup here in Dallas themselves one day. All right, nice talking to you, Taylor. Peace out, Cubs out.